Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Broadcasting live from TGI Fridays in Harpersville, Maryland, is the latest episode of the Real Flicks Podcast. Josh, how are you enjoying your uh, unlimited breadsticks? Eh, I think it could be better. It could be, could be a lot worse, though. And it is a TGI Friday. That's true. Keep in mind. Do they just not want people to go the other six days of the week? They go, it's Friday! You know? Like, what's their what's their game plan as a company? Tell me right now. I don't know. You don't know? Nobody knows? I don't know. There's one by me. I've never really... I've never been inside, so... I don't think anybody had... No, that's not true. I ate at a TGI Friday's recently. I lied. Really subpar hamburger, but the water was good. <laughs> Pretty good water, I gotta say. That, that I think that kind of applies everywhere. No. I had a friend who uh, went to a wedding in Chile recently, and she went to a beach house after the wedding with like a bunch of people, and they just all kind of hung out on the beach and just got sloshed. And she was complaining about her hangover. I was like, well, why didn't you just like drink some water or something like that she's like oh well you can't drink the water down there we ran through all our bottled water so like we kind of just drank alcohol the rest of the time i was like "Hmm, okay well fair enough i guess Uh, we live in a society we live in a society gamers rise up am i right um so to start off the show i don't get that meme at all i think it's funny uh i most of the things i find funny i do not understand and it sometimes it bites me in the ass sometimes it doesn't but you just kind of have to take the good with the bad um all right so to kick off the show uh we're going to be talking very in depth about a topic that we are both more familiar in than we should be so as i'm sure you're aware josh and all the listeners at home uh today is primary night in the united states california uh new jersey a lot of different uh states are going up on their primaries so josh why don't you break down just to start us off uh break down the california 49th for us please california yes is yes the the thing yes and they're it's hot there uh-huh but what about um, the 48th district primaries it's 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 doing its thing you know you know it's primarying all over the place I'm rocking and rolling and <laughs> yep it's doing that all right well that's going to be it for this week of uh primary coverage uh we'll be getting Back to those. When, I'm sure Cody and I are going to have some hot takes when the New York primary comes up. You're going to just. Have I am to not allowed to vote. So. Oh, because you're a felon. No, because I'm not. I'm registered independent. I would love to be independent, but if I if I broke down my voting and I'm I'm, we're, I'm roping you into political talk. Don't you, you watch? Um, I would love to register independent, I don't but care. no. Most of the time, I would say about ninety percent of the time, I vote for Democrats. Big surprise. And so because of that, I was like, well. I could register as independent. That'd be great. But I also know that I vote Democrats a lot. So shouldn't I just by assumption do as much as I can to influence the Democratic line? Because if well, I because I know yeah, that, that I'm going to make sense side of it. Exactly. But like uh, I would I, love to. I, whereas I don't have a side. Neither do I. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm independent, but I'm I'm independent in the way that like you're independent over. Yeah steak and hamburgers like sometimes you feel like a steak sometimes you feel like a hamburger you know but like most of the time i i, I offer a hamburger or something you know i mean obviously i would probably go 
I love hamburgers, but I would definitely have steak. So, like, would steak be the Democrats and hamburger be the Republicans? Because I love hamburgers, and I have those a lot. But I don't vote for Republicans, you know? It's a whole thing. Actually, you want to know what? This is a little bit of local flavor for you, Josh. Uh, And it's, trust me, it's politics talk that's interesting. The last time I voted for a Republican was in 2016, the same day I voted for Hillary. By the way, I voted for Bernie in the primary and Hillary in the general election. So my record is just great so far. Um, But the last time I voted for a Republican was in Cortland, where I live. Uh... They was a they were we were gonna elect a district attorney. Our incumbent was up for re-election. He was a Democrat, and then there was another guy who was running against him as a republic as a Republican. I think it's district attorney. Not one hundred percent sure. And I voted for the Republican in this one. Would you like to know why? Sure. Because our current, as far as I know, district attorney had a lengthy career as an adult film star. Back in the 70s, his name was Gus Thomas or Gus Johnson or something like that, and lied about it <laughs> and kept it covert, and he still won re-election. I was like, I know that, like, <laughs> like it, it was late-night fodder all over the place. Like, it, people were cracking jokes about it, and he just is the governor, is the, is the district attorney. He had a mustache, obviously, and that's just kind of the world we live in right now, Josh. Of course he does. <laughs> I mean, it was the 70s. I mean, if you Kim didn't Kardashian is having meetings with President. Well, I don't think that really equates to mustaches. Oh, you mean just at that, okay, that are former porn stars. And that's the world we live in. Yeah, it is pretty lit. Uh, just from a, wow, this is what a time to be alive standpoint. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this guy a shout out uh, just because I, feel I, saw, like I saw a tweet. It was like someone, someone said, Imagine if you woke up, you were like went into a coma a couple of years ago, and you woke up and saw that picture. Yeah, there's like, a million different. <laughs> I've, there's been a million different areas where you could like. What, imagine if you woke up from a coma and like everything is just is progressively more crazy the further you get. Like you, today, we have Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump having an Oval Office being about prison reform. Tomorrow, what's it going to be? Is Carrot Top going to be the new HUD secretary or something? I don't understand. It's just, it's all everything's terrible. Oh, no, we do have a new district attorney. Oh, great. Wow, did I vote for him? (laughs) Cool. I elected a Republican, Josh. Are you proud of me? I guess. This is the greatest mea culpa ever. So, quote, Recently, materials have circulated alleging that I was involved in the adult film industry about 40 years ago in New York. Those allegations are true, he said. I was an actor in adult films for a short period in the early 70s. I was also an actor in other venues, including off-Broadway soap operas and commercial advertisements. It's like, don't... <laughs> He's like, I was an actor. You didn't do any act, and don't try to that's, equate... That's not an act. Yeah, that's don't, not acting. Don't, quite, don't try to equate acting in a, you know, in an inappropriate adult film to, like, and I was on Broadway. It's like, no, shut up. Stop. But the, the best part is that somebody... This all came to light because somebody, uh, like, tipped off the news about it, and that's how he was brought down. And I... That whoever that person is, their story needs to be told, and I think there's a great movie in there. But uh, that's for somebody to find someday. But all right, let's get actually into the meat and bones of the show. Enough with politics and pornography talk. Uh, <laughs> those subjects haven't collided too often. Hey, that's that's kind of a movie too. Yeah, you know, it's it's a film. <laughs> Not very good lighting, but it's a movie. Uh, character development needs work. Uh, so let's get into something even more. <laughs> morally against god the dc universe josh 
Jesus. Um, we did get a headline today that kind of... Yes. A little... Well, there, there's good stuff, too. There, a headline came out today that um, kind of got me thinking about just them as a company. Um, and then, you know, this other stuff of movies yet to be made and video games and stuff like that kind of got me. Do you know they have 25 movies in the works? Sounds about right. I'd, I'd count them all up. There's 25 movies, including, like, the ones that are, like, in production. Like, why? It just, what are they doing? What are You're they gone. doing? Go, go on. Talk about what's happening now. Um, we'll start off. We'll try to get happier as we go along. But apparently Jared Leto... Are you talking about the one story? Or, no, no, or? There's, there's a few of them. We'll, uh, okay. You know about all of okay. them, so it'll be okay. fine. Um, but Jared Leto is apparently going to be producing and starring in his own joker movie what do you make about that okay i don't care (laughs) i don't i don't i just i don't i don't know what they're doing i mean obviously these are not like this isn't like when marvel announces movies like this is the slate this is just reports of what they have developing so it's like this could come out in seven years or never come out at all and we have no idea like what it actually is or i don't even know if this universe is even going to become a thing in the next five years it could completely be blown up and just all standalone movies but I don't hate Suicide Squad like everyone else. I don't hate his Joker like everyone else, but I also don't really need to see more of it. So, I mean, if it's, is it like he's like the one pushing for this? Like he's producing it because he wants to get it made? I mean, I think so. He's never been an actor I can, it's easy to pin down because he like, he obviously loves the craft and he's like Oscar capable, but he just picks such odd things and he doesn't really go all in the way that somebody of his talent maybe should. Um, there was someone, the, the director, uh, I don't know if it was a director or a writer, someone else just working on it, but the director of, um, what's that movie he did that he won an Oscar for? Oh, Dallas Writers Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw someone who has like one of those, like they're not like a source, but they're like people that have said stuff on Twitter before. They said they heard that he was involved in it in some way. Maybe that's why he's producing it. Cause he's working with a person he's collaborated with before. Just something that crossed my mind, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Nobody really cares about his Joker. Like it's, he's a kind of a punchline, so I don't know it's why like, he doesn't just cut his losses and say, eh, it, I just don't feel like it anymore. They should just scrap I, it I, and go back and just, just do, like, nothing Nothing in the past mattered. We're just going to start a new, slap a DC, a new DC Films logo on stuff and just make movies that yeah, we feel like making. Just, I try to interconnect it and sign yeah. all these production yeah. deals just like either either go all in on the universe yeah like either go all in on the universe and like commit to it and get people involved and like map it out plan it out make it cohesive or don't do it at all and just make standalone movies you know what would be like, smart for them to go do going whatever, forward let people do whatever they want right what i think it would be smart for them to say okay from january to june those are our dc um universe movies and then from july onwards it's just kind of one-offs or it's like under this new banner where there's no connectivity just to kind of like put just kind of tell audiences like you can play with like the colors that come up before the like blue is you know the universe and red is everything else basically and just kind of create some division because if they're just going if they're going like every other Yeah, if they're just going ever, like, oh, here's a Joker spinoff, and now here's Justice League 4, and here's uh, the, you know, the Nightwing movie, and now here's Shazam 2. It's like, yeah, just create, if you got, you have to create some division. People aren't going to be able to tell based on the quality, like the movie itself, but if you say, hey, 
if it's released here, it matters in continuity. If it's released here, just ignore it and just watch it as a movie or something. But I don't know. Um, I just thought, I just don't have any interest in a Jared Leto solo movie. I'd, I don't like Joaquin Phoenix, but I'm much more curious about what Joaquin Phoenix could bring to the role than what Jared Leto could, whatever the hell he's doing. Cause I just, I hate his Joker. It's like, it's my second least favorite Joker just in front of an animated series Joker that was like a monkey. And so that's really not saying a lot of how I think of he is. I think of him as an actor playing the role, but members of the Wonder Woman creative team have been pushing this possible logo for the Wonder Woman sequel. It says WW84. Um, what does that mean? Is it a simple explanation, or is there, do you think there's more to that? I, assu- I, I assume, it, I mean, all the rumors, I don't know if it was like officially rumored or whatever, but it's everyone said that like the movie's going to take place in the 80s. And now it's called. I'm assuming the title is Wonder Woman 1984. So, I mean, I don't. I don't know what that. I don't. You know, I'm not a history person, so I don't know what the significance of that year is. It seems like a big jump to make from World War One. I. I think that's an interesting thing to do is defy expectations because you think, oh, well, they're going to go to World War Two, yeah. obviously, because Hitler and stuff. But like, they're jumping to eighty to eighty four. So, I don't know because they have. There's there's a how I don't even. How much time is between um, Batman vs Superman and World War One? Because I, I guess that takes place in modern time, so that would be like eighty years, eighty-ish year gap. Years actually, hundred. Yeah, 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 hundred years. So yeah, this gives them. And then, so there's another forty years between eighty-four and or thirty years between eighty-four and where we were then. So it still gives them plenty of time for another movie or movies between then. So yeah, still gives them like plenty of free space to do whatever i'm i'm all for it um, yeah, i don't know the, the cool. thing about the 80s is like some movies do it really well but then you have other things that don't do it so well like maybe x-men apocalypse it just comes off kind of goofy but i trust patty jenkins so going for the 80s could be fun i don't know what exactly they're going to utilize it they're not really going to utilize anything it just takes place in that year but they're putting in the title so i assume it's kind of significant so i'm just saying Wonder Woman is has become a very popular political kind of figure, and Ronald Reagan was elected in 1984. So, chew on that for a bit, why don't you? Yeah. Interesting. Like I said, I think I think they're going to kind of integrate her into U.S. history or world history of some kind. I don't know. Yeah, I think if if I knew, and if I, you know, I'm assuming if you knew more about Cheetah, we probably could figure out a story reason why yeah. this would be 1984. But, um, I, d- I doubt Kristen Wiig is going to be playing a literal, like cheetah person. That's ridiculous. No. But, um, I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe she's some sort of, some form of terrorist interfering with like the election or yeah, they, some Middle East they showed I don't know. concept art at expo thing the last couple of weeks. And like people described it, they said it's like an armor. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the exact look is, but it's not, it's not like a, I don't think it's like a superpower of her thing. It's more like a right suit design. I gotta say, stop down real quick. So, I don't that, know. Casting Kristen Wiig as Cheetah is one of my favorite comic book movie castings of the last five or ten years. I, we, I think just think we've gotten to the place where we're kind of casting. Just like based on concept? Just kind of concept. Because like, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen her yet. 
I know, but um, at some point, somebody decided we should listen to the fans when we cast a superhero. So w- let's get Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, or uh, and I guess this is most of the MCU because the DC seemed to have done a pretty good job of kind of defying expectations with their superhero superheroes and villain picks. Uh, but like Marvel's, just like oh, well, let's get. Chris Hemsworth to play Thor. He's all handsome and whatnot. Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, you know, and all that. And I just, I love out of the box casting choices. And like, I don't, I would never have thought about Kristen Wiig to play a superhero movie villain. And I just love that. Even, even if this doesn't work out all the way, I'd be, I'm still, I would still be pretty generous to this movie. If like, at least get something kind of fun and interesting to chew on. And like maybe maybe she's great. I don't know, but uh, it's just I love off the wall casting choices. And DC that seems to be one of the very few good things that they do. Whether they pan out is a different issue, but <laughs> we'll see. Elsewhere uh, in the DC EU, this is now this is a movie that we know is probably going to happen, but we don't quite un- know any further specifics at all. It was rumored somewhere, probably 4chan something that Penguin is going to be the, the main villain in Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Uh, what do you think of this? Oh, yeah, that was, um, what's it? Yeah, the guy from Variety was on Reddit, but, um, or Fortune. Um, first question, so the the initial report or tweet or whatever it was, um, it was saying that if, if he isn't in this movie, then he'll appear in, um, see the movie called, is it, birds of prey yeah yeah so first things first is is this meaning that they haven't figured out their villain yet for the batman movie the first thing that my mind went to because he was hired to direct this movie over a year ago yeah before land of the apes came out in like january right it is june the following year and you're telling me they don't have their villain i mean we don't really know that's like the second thing you do i don't we don't really know but assuming it's true how far along is this movie and should I be worried? I would say be worried just in general. Yep. Always be in a constant state of worry when it comes to these. Uh, I don't This feels like bullshit to me. I don't know. I think cinematically, Penguin is like in a very low... He's on a very low rung of villains to choose from. Like, I, I love Batman, but Penguin is one of my least favorite villains of his, like, I, big rogues gallery. I just think he's boring. He kind of... I much prefer... Like, oftentimes... Yeah, oftentimes he's used as like a gangster kind of figure, and yeah. I've seen so. I like Black Mask more. I like um, I like the the Maroni, like Sal Maroni and uh, Carmine Falcone stuff a lot more. Like the Batman's world has a very rich history of like mafia people, and Penguin is just so unappealing to me. Like he's just this plump guy with weird hands and a monocle. It's like who cares? He doesn't really add much to it for me. Um, so maybe Matt Reeves see, sees something else in him or something. I don't know. Uh, but just cinematically, I don't, don't think he's the one. I, if anything, Riddler is going to get, they're going to use Riddler because he hasn't been in a movie in like 20 years. And pe- most people don't like that interpretation of the character. And he's been done very well in video game form. So they could just kind of pull some stuff from there. But. Yeah. Again, it all depends on the story. And Matt Reeves, 
Reeve seems like he's the kind of guy who he worries about the story first. Like, what story am I trying to tell? And then finds a villain that can fit that. So if the story yeah. is about Penguin, then it's about Penguin. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I would, I'm would i pretty sure this isn't going to pan out. Yeah. I know other villains, but he's one of those villains that I, just, I don't – I never – I mean, not that I didn't care about him, but I just never found him that interesting. Like, but the only the two, I get was he in the Arkham games? I yeah, I remember he was. Yeah, he was in the second one. He was in the third one too. Yeah, so I, I liked him in that, and then I've seen him in obviously he was in Batman Returns, which I go back and forth on how I feel about him in that movie because it's not it's not really it's not Penguin at all. It, it's an interesting character, just not Penguin. And then, but the one I did kind of really like is um from Gotham. I only saw ten episodes of that show, but he was he was probably the best part of it. So yeah, um, I watch. To I go watch for the, more of something like that. That yeah, could be cool. Yeah, I watched the first season of that. That character is almost less penguiny than the Batman Returns one is. He just he's this kind of tall, lanky guy with a weird haircut, and there's yeah almost nothing penguiny about him, which is fine, I guess. But I just that should that, he's one of many problems about with that show uh, is one of about three million. Yeah. But getting back to the main point, Penguin, he could, I'd say there's like a 5% chance that this is good and, or that he can be used well in a movie. And Matt Reeves is probably one of those 5% of people who can unlock that and um, do something good, interesting with him. But I've always thought he's a good periphery character. Like if you want a mob, if you want to include somebody from the Batman lore to be like a mob boss, you get Penguin. You know, it's just... He's fine, um, but yeah, that, yeah, it is. It is interesting the state of the Batman. I can something tells me Reeves is gonna bail. Like if like they, if they don't start getting in front of cameras he's, by the end of the year, he's just gonna bail. He's like, I don't have time for this. I'm curious if it's if it's more of a Warner Brothers thing or a him thing because I feel like he's probably just taking his sweet time. But I mean, he I got as fast as possible. So if he, he ends up leaving, is it going to be because they want someone that can work faster or because he doesn't want to do it? Well, he had th- he had three movies or three, three years between. Um, yeah. Between his movies. Right. But, I mean, so, th- those but those movies, those, that's different. Those movies are taking so long because so much CGI. I mean, it I know, but like maybe he's like used to like, OK, just to rent. That stuff. Yeah. Maybe he's used to like, OK, well, after I after I do a movie, I take six months off and then I take six months to write. And, you know, Batman isn't as involved technically, I'm sure, as it as Planet of the Apes is because you're overseeing yeah. so much motion capture stuff. But. If that's just his, like, okay, I'll sign this, I'll sign on to this movie, but I'm gonna do it in my, on my like schedule. So I'm gonna, it's good, it'll be out in 2020, or something. Uh, then I just think that they're like, all right, well, that's just, that's just Matt Reeves. Um, I mean, it's just if this movie was originally back when Ben Affleck, or even before Ben Affleck was attached to it, they were, were trying to get this out like either last year or this year, and it's like. Oh, how things change. Still, still, still doesn't have a finished script, at least as far as we know. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not, I'm not too worried we about that. We don't even know who's starring in it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm more worried about. But I, I think if we get, if it gets to, I would say September, and we don't, and they haven't made an official. All right, production starts. This this person's cast here. Blah blah blah. He's just gonna leave. He's got the guy can almost write his ticket to whatever he really wants to do. And I just don't think he's yeah. going to want to waste his time. There, there was a, um, who knows? There was a report going around about one of the couple things that they have planned 
One of them was Ben Affleck and Matt Reeves showing up and announcing the release date. We'll see how that pans out, if that pans out. Yeah, that's true. Or if it'll be there at all. I'm, I'm assuming any any information that we get on it in the near future is probably going to be from there. Middle end of July, whenever that is. Then. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I completely I really, forgot. I don't know. I, I completely forgot about Comic-Con. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> I should probably be more aware of that because it's just, where all so much news comes from. I just forgot it existed, to be honest with you. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in recent years, it hasn't really been that big of like a news thing. It's really just Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Everything Marvel, else is... Marvel kind of they telegraphed everything that they do. So. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe it's just a chance to give it a little shot of adrenaline. Be like, hey, we're going to Batman all over the place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way... <laughs> Rest in peace, Joe Manganiello. Remember when Ben Affleck tweeted that like footage of him as Deathstroke? Like, he's going to be in the next movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he yeah. was in Justice League, and now he's just gone. He's just gone. We're never going to see him again. <laughs> God, what a mess. Uh, He'll probably our, show up into something. I don't know. Just to throw him a bone, be like, we're sorry that you spent a year being miserable, eating gross food, and lifting weights, so let's just put you... Let's give you a henchman role in, you know, Batman 2. I'm pretty sure he does that in his own spare time. That's true. It's just total gym rat. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about villains okay. in a more technical sense and not a medical, metaphorical sense like the DC brass is because they're villains in their own way. Uh, just villains of franchise filmmaking. But I like to think of them as, them as anti-heroes. So uh, let's get started with some honorable mentions. Uh do you have any? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, honorable mentions. Freddy Krueger, Khan, uh, Angel Eyes from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Norman Bates, Jason, uh, the Warden from Shawshank Redemption, Bane, Silva from uh, Skyfall, Doc Ock, Jigsaw, uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb from Split, Koba, the first Terminator T-800. Who? What, Kevin Wendell Crumb is not a villain. So. Yes, he is. He is a villain. He's he's meant he has mental issues. It's not there's nothing that's villainous about that. He just needs help. Be that person. You bigot. Don't be that person. Okay. I'm not. It's, I got to fight with someone. True. Norman Bates is a villain. He he's a little he's a bit of a murderer. A little sicko. Norman Bates is a villain. Uh, yes. Uh, where was I? T T800 Magneto Jack Torrance uh, Mr. Glass Heath Ledger's Joker Emperor Palpatine Hans Gruber the T1000. Kylo Ren and Scar from The Lion King. Oh wow! Well, believe it or not, we actually share two honorable mentions. I'll save those for last. But um, my number nine, or number number nine, one of my honorable mentions. I have ten honorable mentions. Uh, ten ten picks. Five honorable mentions. Five on my list. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is one that you're going to hate, and I understand. But I had to pick. I wanted to pick. Don't something. be what I think it is, please. Well, save that because I want to know what you thought it was. Um, <laughs> this is not going to show up on any list. I know you're going to say that's not a villain. That doesn't count, and I understand that. But also, oh, then it's it's not it's not what I think it is. Then also go to hell. My number, not my number. My honorable mention is <laughs> nature in Interstellar. <laughs> okay. Uh, because as we know, as we all know, I, I, storytelling. I, I, Storytelling is yep. based on, you know, and especially confrontational storytelling, like what we're going to be talking about, is a lot. You're, it's man versus nature, it's man versus man, man versus himself, yada, yada, yada. And the, this movie is all about the oppressive nature of nature and just how 
with everything that you try to do, it will throw an obstacle in your way, and you just and some of it's just movie magic, and the other all the rest of it is just actually how the the elements are. You know, nature doesn't have motivation; it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have it doesn't hold grudges. It just does what it does, and if you know, if you spent too long on this planet and sped up the years by uh, and sped up 20 years on your home planet because of relativity and you can't get back to your kid, that's kind of your fault. Nature doesn't care. It just, it'll do what it does. It'll throw a tidal wave at you. It'll, uh, it'll warp a man's mind to the point that he risks the fate of humanity, just humanity, just so he could see another face. And it's just, it's a, it's a villain that you just need every tool in your belt to defeat. And that's kind of what this movie comes down to. Yes, you see it. You see the end of end of Interstellar as like an unearned kind of Deus Ex Machina, just crazy payoff. I see it as just one out of every million times that mankind is able to thwart the universe and kind of and land a punch, I guess. And that's honestly what makes the movie so rewarding is that we finally are able to to get one over on her and. uh and win one for a change. So nature is one of mine. Um, another one is from a movie called dark city. Uh, and this is more of a group than a singular villain, but they're all under one guy's command. So, uh, he kind of calls the shots, but the strangers, the strangers from dark city, you haven't seen this. I highly recommend you do. I won't try to spoil it, but they're, uh, for you at least, um, their whole plan and everything that they try to do, and the reasons that they do it are just so fascinating. And the world that this movie lives in, there's just nothing like it. And I just think the strangers are some of the coolest things in a movie ever. And again, I, I can't say too much without spoiling it, so I'll just kind of keep it as I love it. Uh, one of the ones that we share is uh, the warden from Shawshank Redemption. That guy's an asshole. Nice. He is a he is yep. an asshole. I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> but he's but, so good. He's so good, but he's such a... Uh, he's the worst. But it's... it's he, he His arc is one of the most satisfying ever in a movie. Just yep. from where he starts to where he ends, killing himself in shame is just the best. That, that, that moment at the end where it just... It finally catches up with him yeah. and he realizes that, nope... With this, yeah, oh, it's so good. He's so not satisfying. Even, he's not even enough of a man to like face <laughs> face his punishment. Yeah. It's so uh, it's so rewarding. Um, I'm looking at a couple my last arm, a couple of my last ones. Uh, how about here's a here's another unconventional pick. This is a villain that you never actually see uh, be the villain. This is almost like this is almost like saying. Anakin Skywalker is your favorite villain after watching Phantom Menace, but I think you're going to, I think you're going to agree with me and kind of kick yourself for not having it on your album mentions or trying to be coy if it's on your actual list. But my next album mention is the Rainmaker from Looper. This okay. Is, yeah, oh, he doesn't show up. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I can, I can, uh, this, the, this villain kind of comes down to, it's not, it's, like five percent who he is and ninety five percent the mystery of who he is uh just the way that Ryan Johnson kind of hints and and the 
references who the Rainmaker becomes and his future and the impact he has on the world is just one of the most effective instances of writing an antagonist I've ever seen in a movie. I've I adore Looper for a million reasons and this is the number one. I just think the Rainmaker and his whole storyline is just so great and it's it's following the basic kind of plot uh trick of you know the, your imagination is always worse than the real thing. So yeah, he's not going to tell he's not going to show you what the rainmaker does when he is the rainmaker but he's going to show you just enough to where your imagination can run wild and you can fill in the blanks with your own fears and neuroses and i think the the way that John, ryan johnson did it was just absolutely brilliant um and he, he, it's a classic case of leaving you wanting more and and then the way he handles sid as a kid and not becoming the rainmaker it's like I almost wish that I could. He he did grow up angry and you know taken over the world and stuff. That would, kind of would have been awesome. But um, yeah, Rainmaker is another honorable mention. My last one is another one that we share, not the same character, but from the same movie. Uh, it's from Star Wars: Force Awakens. Hmm. My next, my final hmm. honorable mention for favorite villains is Kathleen Kennedy. She ruined Star Wars. It's feminist oh, social justice warrior stop propaganda. <laughs> She's ruining my childhood. My childhood's dead. She killed it, dug it up, resurrected it, killed it again, set it on fire. Kathleen Kennedy sucks. No, I love her. She's great. Um, it's Kylo Ren. Yeah. I love Kylo Ren. Honorable mention all the way. He's the best. He'll probably make it onto my list depending on how episode nine goes. Uh, so maybe we'll have to do a little redo redux or whatever on this list later on so josh your number five my number five that i love in every single way possible called whiplash and it is a mr fletcher played by jk simmons interesting i love and you could argue that this is the hero movie and i would partially agree with you but this is one of my fa- not just one of my favorite films. This is one of my favorite characters in any movie because, on top of the fact that he is J.K. Simmons is perfect in the role, and his dialogue and his is scary, and you cannot take it your eyes off of him anytime he's on screen. You later in the movie you kind of find out like where he's coming from. You don't necessarily agree, but you get it, and you just you see what kind of person he is and why he is this. I don't even know if I could say he's a monster because he's not, but like, well, he's, he's Dr. Frankenstein. I think Yeah, he's just trying to, he's trying yeah, his hardest. He can, to yeah, that's his, a way perfect, his perfect monster. He's, yeah. <laughs> Going to very interesting lines um, to do stuff. So. Love. Yeah. He's the most, he's one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen. And I mean, I, I mean, I knew I was going to love this character from the second I saw not just the movie trailer was out. Um, I was just enamored by what this movie was going to be. And he took a movie. I already loved everything about this character um, and his interactions with um, Miles Teller's character and the way he pushes him and drags him down at the same time to both extreme and both like ends of it. It's just it's so compelling but frustrating and makes you angry but also entertains you 
and I love everything about him in this movie. And yeah, he's my number five. Uh, number five for me is a character who I have loved for a very long time. And he's in a movie I just rewatched recently for another one that's coming up. He is the best antagonist, I think, uh, this particular animation studio has ever delivered. It is, of course, Syndrome from The Incredibles. Ah, uh, okay. I think... I guess to, to start off, I, th- I think part of the reason why I love this character so much is the voice acting by Jason Lee is just incredible. Ha. Um, and I, he's just... Something about him, his voice embodies the character's like arrogance and just anger. And <laughs> I also have mad respect for the character itself to actually build an evil layer inside a volcano and <laughs> having the having the gall to do that. I just think it's so cool. And but the other everything else kind of goes to Brad Bird's writing of this guy and the the prologue scene of him and Mister Incredible with him trying to be Incredible Boy and then later growing up and using that experience as a motivational tactic to to make the entire world super so everybody can be special and superheroes can and so mr incredible especially will end up feeling like he how he made incredible feel or buddy feel when he was a kid and it's just such a it's such a refreshing um kind of motivation for a character and i just i loved how uh, his sort of evil plan worked and how Mr. Incredible or how Brad Bird, I should say, uh, introduced it. And without him, I don't think this movie works as well. And I think that's, if I'm being cautiously optimistic, I think that's probably what's going to be missing from Incredibles 2, that it's going to be fun. The characters are going to be great, but something tells me the villain is going to be my least favorite part of it. And that's, probably no fault of the movie it's just gonna it's a fault of the first movie that syndrome was so good but uh who knows maybe i'll get maybe this new the new one will surprise me but um for my money syndrome is just i think he's not he's my number five for a reason i just think he's one of the best ever and if you ever want to if you want to learn how to write a good antagonist watch the incredibles that this movie will tell you everything you need to know about about crafting a good conflict so uh, that's it for number five for me. What about your number four? Number four is Voldemort mm. from Harry Potter, of course. Um, Good choice. I, I mean, we talk forever about this character, but just one of the best fictional villains ever. I just the way he is set up from Sorcerer's Stone, slowly developed more and more. Finally, his return in Goblet of Fire. His, you know, not just, I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, really, you have to stick to the, I guess you stick to the movies, but I mean, through the books and the movies, um, just seeing his evolution is kind of, you get, you go through and then finding out more of his backstory, you see the pieces all come together in, you know, five and six and seven. He's not just evil because he's evil. I mean, there is something really twisted and disturbing in him. You get that sense from when you see those flashbacks of him in um, Half-Blood Prince. But there's is a kid that was he's the spawn of just garbage. He was abandoned. Um, his father was a muggle who, again, abandoned his mother um, and, you know, it's just created this person. 
as a, as young as however old he is. He's like, I think, a 10 or 11 um, when they catch up with him in Half-Blood Prince. And you see that evolution then caught up again when and then you see his downfall. Then you see, you know, those years of he was gone and then he's brought back his relationship with Harry his relationship with his follow relationship with Dumbledore. He just has all these different interesting dynamics with different characters um, and kind of where he ranks himself, um, whether it's below or above. And I think he's just, and he's incredibly powerful. He's incredibly menacing and Ray finds just gets better and better with every movie. Um, and yeah, just, he's, he's, does, he's one of the best villains. And a couple sure he's on your list higher. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, <laughs> just a couple little notes that uh, I, we could get into later, but they're on my mind right now. Uh, much like the, one of the v- real life villains, Adolf Hitler, that he was based on, uh, he is everything that he hates. You know, Hitler was, I don't know if he was yep. half Jewish, yep. but he definitely had some Judaism, uh, Jewish in his line. You know, not that that's a race. It's like, it's, I want to say his. I want. I want to say his mother was Jewish, but I could be wrong. Probably something like that. Um, and uh, much like Voldemort's was a half blood. You know, his his mother was from one of the yep. most legendary wizard families in existence, and his father was just some muggle, and he hated him so much that he wouldn't even take his name. Uh, and which is so great. And then I don't know if this is movie canon, but it's book canon, so I guess we can. T- I can touch on it, anyways. Um, one of the one of my favorite underrated things about Voldemort is that his entire life is devoted to conquering death, and he thinks that death is just the worst possible thing that could happen to you. And he makes all these Horcruxes yep. and all that, and then he ends up dying at the age of seventy two, which is like a pretty normal time of death for any given person. <laughs> like I think the average male lifespan is like sixty eight years old or something like that. So like he went through all this effort to be immortal, and he just kind of lived a pretty average amount of time i just think that's such that's one of my favorite touches about his character overall but i'll 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 go into further detail in just a little bit but uh he is one hell of a villain i agree with everything you said um my number four is uh the only one on here directly based on a real person uh this one takes a lot of liberties with it, uh, with that real person, especially in appearance. But um, the demeanor is just is what gets me. And this guy, this person is just a hurricane of hatred, and just much like um, much like the Joker, you just really never know what this guy is going to do. He is carried by emotions uh, with every decision that he makes. There's no anal- There's nothing analytical or intellectual about him he is just whatever he feels is whatever he does and he also is played by one of my favorite actors who just has one note but it's a beautiful note so my number four villain is uh joe pesci in goodfellas playing what's his name tommy 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 something tommy 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 devito i don't know so, but Goodfellas, I don't think it's that's the real guy's name. Is uh, he's ba- he yeah. he's based on? I think he's named after Tommy DeVito. Uh, let's see, yeah, Tommy DeVito, and the real Tommy DeVito is like six foot six, <laughs> and he's like got this really deep voice, and he's like scary. And then they get Joe Pesci, who's like a gremlin size, and just like sounds like a stray cat. It's great. Um, 
You've seen Goodfellas, right? Yeah, I love yeah. Goodfellas. Yeah. There's just nothing quite like Tommy DeVito. Like he and Pat Pesci is like I said earlier, he plays one note, but he plays it so well. And just when he gets angry and yeah. starts swearing, and it just there's just there's nothing quite like it. Uh, and Tommy is it's just like a perfect perfect casting right there. Yeah, I mean he he's kind of a caricature of what you would think a mobster would be like, but he's also com- his completely unique thing. And um, I don't really. I don't love Goodfellas as much as most people do. I think it's a. I think it's great. I just there's something about that I, I know I don't really consider that keeps it from being like one of my favorite movies. But sometimes I'll just feel like watching a Joe Pesci movie and I'll put on Goodfellas and I'll watch like the middle two hours or whatever that he's in and then I'll just like all right I'm good now um, just because he's such a he's just such a great performer and he just he does it for me. Uh, he's also in. Um, He's great in Casino as well. Uh, he's in JFK where he plays kind of t- a Tommy DeVito-ish character who is more sympathetic than nefarious, I guess. Um, and but um, but for me, the scene the scene with Spider and the "Am I funny? Do I look like a clown?" scenes to you are just two iconic moments for this guy. <laughs> like with with the, I'm funny. I think like a clown. He knows the power that he has, and he knows that at this moment in time, not just the other people around him, but the guy he's known for 10 or 15 years, you can see it in Henry's face. He, he's fearing for his life right now. Like when he, when, when Tommy just goes straight face, like he thinks at any moment, a steak knife could come off the table and go right into his neck. And that's his friend who he's known, who he's selling cigarettes with back in the day for like 15 years, 20 years, they've been friends and he's fearful for his life. And the audience is, they know that what he's capable of. Uh, and then the spider scene, of course, he just gets so, <laughs> not only he shoots spider in the foot, just be just out of pure recklessness. But then when spider has the gall to come back with a, with his food in a boot and he tells Tommy to go fuck himself and he just blasts him into tomorrow. <laughs> he gets, oh my God, there's who does that? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> what a little psychopath. Um man. I just love him. I think he's great. Uh he makes the movie for me. I think without him, people would think uh, Look on Goodfellas is a very good movie and he turns into a great one. So, uh any thoughts on Pesci as Tommy DeVito? I would need to see the movie again to yeah. further Yeah, I he would... was I remember he was really really great he's just he's entertaining in everything he does yeah in my list i kind of put notes under all the movies so i just for my own personal use and he is the only one in the entire list that i just wrote i wrote the actor's name instead of the character (laughs) i think that tells you all you need to know about why i like this one so much so uh number three for you uh my number three is michael myers from Halloween. Uh, I've talked to death about Michael Myers on here a million times, um, and we are going to be talking about him more in the coming months. Thank great in Shrek. Um, why do you do this to me? Um, but, um, yeah, Michael Myers, uh, you haven't seen Halloween, right? No, not yet. I will. I promise. Okay. okay. Um, I am so prepared for when you tell me that you hate it. Um, Michael Myers 
is just to me. Well, I don't know if I'd say that because I don't know if the next person on my list I would consider horror. But anyway, um, he's one of the best horror villains of all time. And just I think what they did to him in the sequels kind of didn't ruin him because, I mean, to me, the book can never ruin or prequel can never ruin any character or anything. But um, I, I didn't really like the way they kind of demystified him as the movies went on. They added all this weird pointless mythology to him when in the original movie and to me that's still the best of the franchise and it's the best movie he's in where he's just embodiment of pure evil there is no rhyme there's no there's no reason or method he does what he does he is just this physical unstoppable force of nature that doesn't have any soul and there's no there's just this blankness in his eyes and he kills and you don't know why and you don't know when it just happens and then you die and it's terrifying. Just and it's also like little details about the character, just like the way he moves his head or the way he just moves his his physicality. He's very slow. He's very there's something like almost childish about him. Like the, like when he doesn't really realize what he's doing, but it's a grown man who's stronger than anybody he comes in contact with, killing people with a kitchen knife, and he just doesn't even realize what he's doing, and he's just curious about everything. And it's just it's just little details like that just make him scary to me. And he's just he's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. And I just I love him to death. And I cannot wait to see what Gordon Green does with him in October. I don't know how I would do with somebody like him <laughs> briskly walking towards me with a knife. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Hmm. No, I, I can imagine not well. I mean, I would just kind of run away because I'm probably faster than him and then just, you know, keep running. However fast you run, he will walk faster. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But if he if he's jogging, that would look stupid. So you kind of have to just, you know, s- s- put a bunch of sticks in front of somebody. I don't know. <laughs> That's why you couldn't you can't put a horror movie like in the desert or something like that, because where where is the, where are they going to trip over sticks? There's no sticks. They need to trip over some sticks. Otherwise, it's too easy. They get away. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, my number three is another is an obvious one. I only have one more obvious one after this. So uh, you're ne- my number one is I don't think anybody's going to have the same number one as I do. Yeah, so. That'll be fun to talk about. But my number three is a tie. I can't really choose between these two characters. Um, they do similar. They do the same thing, but in vastly different ways. Um, and I just, for all the things I love about one, I love different things about the other. So for my number three, I had to go with the Joker. This could be Heath Ledger's Joker. This could be Mark Hamill's Joker. This could be Jack Nicholson's Joker. I think they're all, they all portray different, uh, equally insane shades of this character. That um, not none of them is definitive, but I don't think this is a character that ever can or should be uh, definitive. It just has to be whatever Joker is best for this iteration of Batman. For Tim Burton's, he was loud and ruckus and funny and silly uh for the hamill joker it it was a a much more kind of down the line joker uh one that kind of took pieces of every different part of the character's history that mark hamill's voice acting elevated into just legendary status if this was dom dimaggio the voice actor guy uh doing the joker in animated series 
be a good Joker. Wouldn't be anywhere near as memorable. Mark Hamill makes this one. And then if you're the Keith Ledger Joker, you are a terrorist, basically. You're an agent of chaos, and you're upset upsetting the established order and all that good stuff and uh with the war paint and everything so it's just a character that when done right is um just there's nothing quite like it for me and it's been done right three different times and (laughs) done very poorly many others but uh these three are just my favorites i love them all um if i was being honest though I think my favorite favorite is Jack Nicholson's uh, just because his that kind of defined sort of my taste in some aspects. And I just think he's hysterical in ways that Heath Ledger's Joker isn't and Mark Hamill's never could be. So uh, my number three is just the Joker from those three uh, films or iterations. So your number two, we're getting into it. I don't I obviously know what your number one is. The Hamburglar from the McDonald's yeah. commercials. But what's number two? Hmm. My number two is from a movie I think we've ever talked about on here. Oh, boy. Uh, called Silence of the Lambs. We haven't. And it would be – yeah. And it would, would Buffalo be uh, Bill? A, a Mr. Hannibal Lecter. No. <laughs> Not familiar. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal yep. the um, – Hannibal the people guy, eating guy. That's right. That's what they call him. Yeah. Hannibal the Cannibal. Well, uh, you've yeah. have you, you've you've seen this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in it was in contention. I've I've been mean to revisit okay. it. Uh, it's been a while. But what do you, what do you think yeah. happened first? Yeah. Did they? Did, how do you think they named Hannibal Lecter? Did he? Did he was like, all right, well, I have this character named Hannibal Lecter. Now, what? I need to flesh him out a little bit. It's like Hannibal the Cannibal, or are they just like I, I want a character who's a cannibal. Can guarantee that he was named. He was a cannibal first. He was probably named cannibal, Hannibal after being a cannibal. Uh, what if it was an accident? It's like uh, I just never, I never really f- learned the word for when you eat people. Oh, it's cannibal! What a coincidence! <laughs> that's my head cannon. But no, that's a good choice. That's a really good choice. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I've seen this movie multiple times i love this movie one of my favorite and he is the reason why and it's he's also the reason why i couldn't get into the tv show hannibal um because i just it's it's no, part hashtag of the not car- by hannibal <laughs> anthony hopkins as hannibal Lecter is just i don't think there's there's almost no better match between villain and actor to me it's just it it's it just works so well it works so perfectly well mm-hmm. like no other actor can just capture that same thing about this version of the character that I love so much. Um, and, and they, don't, they didn't try to in the show, everything from his mannerisms to the way he talks, but he's not trying to be scary. He's not trying to be menacing. He's just kind of being real. And that's what makes him scary. And it's just, it's this really, it's one of the most unique performances I've ever seen from an actor. And the way Anthony Hopp does it just blows me away every single time because I'm watching it and I'm just, I'm scared shitless watching it. But I also am just enamored by it, and I'm loving it, and I'm eating up every second of it. And his the, the way he's used in the movie is the way I wanted them to use Joker in Suicide Squad. They didn't. Um, and he is just he's – he's a criminal, but they need him, and he's kind of a protagonist in a way. But he's – obviously, by the end of the movie, he's the villain. Um, well, I mean, Buffalo Bill is – technically the main villain but just such an interesting character because you really have no idea whose side he's on at any point in the movie i mean really he's 
on his own side, the whole thing. But there's times I'm like, is he on good terms with Clarice or should she run away and have him be locked up? Like you never really know. And it's really scary and it's really interesting. And I just, I love this character. Love him to death. My second favorite villain of all time. Very good choice. Uh, one of the episodes that we're going to have to do at some point is character introductions. Because Hannibal's got one of the best of just him standing in the middle of the room, yeah. waiting for her like he smelled her. Oh, it's just it's incredible, and it just just <sighs> his face when she enters the room, just that like not even a I guess it's a sm- not trying to be a smile, like it's just like his resting creepy smile face. It's just oh, it's it's so good. This is off topic, but I just <laughs> I just saw a tweet from Philip Lord. <laughs> linking the lego t- movie 2 trailer with the, with the caption hey look we made a space movie <laughs> oh the tea <laughs> so much tea oh, oh i love it um my number two has already been mentioned by you uh in your top five the only crossover I th- that we had and that's fine because this just happens to be who i think is the best written villain in fiction and i know a lot of people are gonna roll their eyes at like uh millennials think voldemort's the best they know read but i really do think voldemort is the best vi- villain ever written he got he got so much time to be developed and there's just so and he's built so heavily on real world fears and all that kind of stuff um i just i don't think you can beat voldemort just uh in book and in Movie and less so just because there's just more – there's things that they had to leave out just because you have to leave it out. But um, even in the movies, I think he's incredibly strong. He's so ominous and just terrifying and foreboding and, again, great character introduction <laughs> in the in the graveyard coming out of the pot with a severed arm and all that good stuff. It's great. Um, but um, I guess the thing that keeps me coming back to him is – the way that he fits in the story. And I think one of the best storytelling things about the Harry Potter series is that it's not, this isn't the first war. You're not fighting to save the day. You're fighting to preserve your life, your life and just your world. Like it's already been threatened, but yes, there it's a really clever way of like kind of bringing the threat back, but doing it in a really organic interesting way and the kind of the lessons that Voldemort learns you know he's arguably a lot more um tough uh the second time around than he is the first because he knows so much more and uh he's has something he didn't have last time the elder wand or the horcruxes or whatever um he's just he's such a powerful villain and one of my favorite things about him this is more so in the book, but you definitely get a feeling of it in the movie, is that at the end of book six, he won. He he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He, in all, yeah. for all intents and purposes, he took over the Wizarding World. But one of the my favorite parts about the books, don't want to make this too much about the book, but they're just, they're so intertwined and they have such a close relationship that I don't feel too bad. Um, somebody asked Ron or something like that. They're like, well, why doesn't he just declare himself Minister of Magic? And they're like, he is way more effective when people aren't a hundred percent sure that he's actually 
he's actually around and he's much he does so much more better work in the shadows and like um uh you know <laughs> you're going to hate this but uh on their on the most recent tour when uh when the U2 launches into a big heavy song is like the as a devil sort of character is like I do my best work when you don't think I exist basically and that's kind of what how Voldemort operates in the, in the Harry Potter world and and of course the way that he ties in his life ties into Harry's and the fate interwoven between the two of them the character design it just all works perfectly and I can only I can only imagine what it would have been like to be kind of aware of things and waiting for Voldemort to show up uh kind of not really knowing what to expect and just to see to finally see his reveal um it's just he's so powerful and i love him uh so without further ado josh you're number one i'm not even gonna bother beating around the bush because we all know what the character is it's darth vader what uh I, oh shocker big surprise yeah i i not much really i could add that i haven't said already we talked about star wars movies for an entire two and a half hour episode up until December of 2017, he was my favorite character of all time. And I just, I love it. He's just my favorite villain. And nothing about the prequels ruined him. I love the dynamic between him and his son. And I just, everything about it, I love the look of his costume. I mean, I love how powerful he is. When we got to see him in Rogue One, you know, fully being that powerful, menacing badass that he can be. Can't get enough of it. And I mean, it's a little bit of a bias because it's, a Star Wars villain, but he's also just Darth Vader. I mean, I've said a million things about him. I could say a million more, but good choice. Bit of a bit of a surprise. I got to be honest. No, it's the least surprising thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> What's more surprising than he's your favorite villain, or I've, that the sun is going to come up tomorrow? Uh, I believe that the sun is going to come up. That that he's my favorite villain. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been raining here all week, so I don't know. That's true. So my number one is one that I didn't fully realize was my number one until today. Actually, when I was putting together this list, I kept thinking like everything I like about storytelling and everything that I like about, about characters just in general kind of comes down to this person. This is a tough one to uh, to talk about because I you, you haven't seen the movie and I don't want to ruin it for you too much. Um, so I'll try to be as vague as I can while also knowing that you are have the attention span of a gerbil and will probably forget it. Uh, <laughs> but my number one is True. is John Rooney from Sam Mendez's Road to Perdition. He is a villain in the most complex way that i have that i've seen in not just this not just a mob movie which this is but just in any movie in general and i'm sure there's other people there's other villains that are better than this and that this movie draws heavy inspiration from but for my list sake this is the one i've seen this is the one i love so i'm gonna go with him um there's a choice that he makes uh in the towards the end of the first act of this movie that you can't, that is the most despicable choice that somebody could make. And it's one that he 
came to over loyalty to his family instead of loyalty to the person that he loves. And for the rest of the movie is the rest of the movie is just kind of dealing with the the choice that he made and how at the end of the day he I think we've we've well documented that I am incredibly sympathetic towards uh mafia leaders which he is uh but we the movie well establishes that this guy is a stand up guy he is respectable he's um he's more than a mobster and the movie is just the entire movie that comes after it, he doesn't appear much in it. It's just you trying to, is is just these characters dealing with the fallout of the de- the decision that he made and the resolution that his character gets uh, with the hero of the story played by Tom Hanks is some of the most, most emotionally conflicted and just from a cinematography standpoint, gorgeous and direction standpoint especially gorgeous moments i've ever seen in a movie um and i just think that 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 line that you you kind of have to cross time uh, a bunch of different times is what i love about drama it's when it when a character like him has to make that kind of a choice and just the audience or whoever's watching or consuming it kind of thinking about that choice and thinking about what they would do and if it was the right one and how this character has to deal with it because it's one of those things where he knows he knew that he shouldn't have done what he did and uh but he he felt like he had to make it and it's I watch the movie and we can discuss this further at length because there's a lot to chew on here. I want, I want to see it. Yeah. I want to be more specific, but it's just, it's tough. And just, yeah, just to know, go in. He doesn't, he's not a big player in the movie. He doesn't, he appears in, he's in it a lot in the first act and then the third act and everything else in the middle is just kind of, kind of whatever. And uh, he he's sort of off doing his own thing and, but it's it's one of the most satisfying character arcs and one of the most complex and just difficult things I've ever seen in a in a drama like this. And I just and on top of it all, he's played by Paul Newman, who just adds an extra extra weight to everything that he does. And maybe if this was Liam Neeson, I wouldn't like it as much. But because it's Paul Newman, it's just like oh man, it's just devastating. His his blue eyes are they pull more acting weight than any monologue ever could. Uh, so yeah, that's my list. Uh, very tough, very tough. I feel like I was missing a lot of them, but my definition of villain was hard to define and I couldn't quite figure it out, (laughs) figure it out myself. But, um, I'm surprised that, uh, once his name didn't make your list, uh, what's his name? Who? Uh, I'm trying to think. What's his name? Oh, I don't um, know what's his name is? Sorry, I'm surp- I was gonna say I'm surprised that Palpatine bit, didn't make your list just from all the stuff that he did. But he's he's close. He's yeah. probably in my top ten or fifteen. Yeah. But hmm. any glaring omissions from mine that you were expecting? Oh yeah, what did you think? What think. did you think my what, um, my earlier one was gonna be? 
I thought you were going to say Mr. Free. <laughs> oh, no. He, I, I'm still waiting. Once he, is, once he gets the proper live-action treatment, then I'll slide him in there somewhere. <laughs> I love him. I love me some Freeze. You know that. All right. Well, let's move on to watching, reading, listening to. Uh, you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. Give me a second. Okay. Uh, so I recently saw a movie called Upgrade that I kind of didn't, it was, it's one of those movies much like Thoroughbreds that I kind of didn't know existed three days before I saw it. And then I did. And unlike Thoroughbreds, I wasn't blown away, but I was very pleasantly surprised with like, Oh, that was a, that was a really good movie. That was kind of pretty cool. It, um, it's all about a guy who it's, I, I said in my letterbox review, it's kind of a mix of, uh, of RoboCop and something else. What did I say? It was RoboCop and letterbox, please. Uh, it's, it's like a mix of RoboCop and Blade Runner is how I felt. Cause it was on the RoboCop side of things. It was about a guy who was, wounded and use technology to become powerful and from a Blade Runner perspective it was shot a lot of there was a lot of scenes and a lot of moments that were that reeked of of Blade Runner was like kind of trying to be Blade Runner and and it tried to be a little philosophical to boot and and all that but um, what I love most about it was the ending I think it's one of my favorite endings of the year that you would not expect from a movie like this and that feel it, it's an ending that feels like it's sequel bait um but it doesn't feel like a movie that would get a sequel you know what i'm trying to say like i don't know it, it, yeah like uh did you see did you see life from last year no oh sad um then i'll say it's kind of got a cloverfield ending of yeah we could yeah. probably take this somewhere else but we most likely won't and that's fine and but I like I think of it as more of an ex machina ending where you kind of know what's going to happen next, um, and they could probably tell that story, but you don't really need to because it probably t- it would be much like ex machina. It's like oh, then a robot takes over the world, and with this one, be like oh, a robot takes over the world. Um, but I just I like leaving it on kind of a down note. Um, most movies try to ha- kind of force a happy ending. Like, wasn't Return of the Jedi, wasn't it supposed to end with Luke, like, battered and alone or something like that? I don't I don't know what the original... Actually, I'll, I'll talk about this in a minute when I talk about my watching and listening to but I don't know what the original ending... I don't know if it was, like, true or not, but there was, at one point, a concept of Luke was going to turn to the dark side, Yikes. and that was going to be the end. That'd be cool. How it would have played out, but I don't I don't know how far along that was, but... That, eh, I don't know. I think... For that, I think the happy ending works because it's just because it's the first and yeah. But for this, but for upgrade, I think the 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 kind of down ending uh, worked better. But it's just for me. Um, I also saw a Netflix movie, a little Netflix movie called Kodachrome with Jason Sudeikis, Elizabeth Olsen, and Ed Harris. Um, I just keep hearing about it. I don't. I have no idea what it is, good or bad. Oh no, uh, it's good. It's um, it's kind of a road trip movie with a lot of it's got a lot of um elements of music and you know fathers and relationships and all that good stuff uh i would say watch it for jason sudeikis because he gives a 
legitimately strong performance and one that I didn't really expect from him. Um, and I really, I really like this phase of his career. He's doing some pretty cool stuff. And Elizabeth Olsen is also awesome in it. And she has a scene that where she and Jason Sudeikis are in a bar and a song comes on the radio or the surround sound or whatever in the bar. Um, that she kind of sings along to, and it just sort of made my heart melt. <laughs> uh, it, just like, it was a callback to an earlier scene, but just the way that she sung it was so fun. Um, and she's just, she's really fun, and she's just great uh, when she's not being a dumb witch or whatever. Uh, let's see. I also rewatched The Post and Lady Bird just to kind of cement those two as my number one and two last year. Uh, cried again in The Post, love Lady Bird even more second time I watched it. And then just the other night, I uh, fell asleep watching Mamma Mia. And it was it led to one of the most peaceful and serene dreams I've ever had. And I'm so psyched for, the, for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. It's going to be... That's my Avengers. That's my cinematic event of that I've been waiting 10 years to see. So, pretty psyched. Pretty, pretty fired up about it. And I also rewatched Blade Runner today. Of course. The, the new one. The, the 2049 one. Very, very good. Just, ah. Uh, oh, you mean a perfect, perfect movie? I don't think it's quite perfect. I still don't like the sex scene. I think I think that kind of slows it down. And I don't really... I like, don't what, what about it? Like, just the fact that it, it's there, or... No, I just think the whole, the whole storyline just sort of felt... Meh. I don't. I really just didn't really think it worked. And like, yeah, you could say that it t- it ties into it's like a parallel to Deckard's and uh, the other the woman's relationship in Blade Runner about how one of them is real and one of them isn't, or one of them isn't real or one of them isn't real. I don't know, but I just I, felt I like it. I just felt like it was just an extra bit of stuff that the movie felt like it needed to have just to get him. To where he... To me, that's like part of the heart and soul of the movie. I don't think so. Because like I said, he... It's not even so much that he wants to feel like he's a real person. It's it's she does. And then she just kind of disappears when he goes to the orphanage and she's just gone. And I, I, I just always... I feel like, especially after this watch, that including her was more of a plot than a story reason. It's a plot... It's an It's for the plot so he can meet up with Mackenzie Davis and that group of rebels or whoever they are. Um, I don't know. I, just, I don't really care for it. But but you've seen it a bajillion times, so... Yeah. <laughs> has, has that gone up on your list from for last year at all? It's my number two. It's my number two from last year. Wow, what did it, what did it knock out? What was your number two before? Uh, was my, it was my number... F- Five or my number four behind Baby Driver and War for the Planet of the Apes and Split. Oh, it and bumped it out Split? now above all those. Wow. wow. It's more like a tie, but yeah, yeah. Wow. I forgot. What's your number one? Oh, it's Logan. That's right. Oh, uh, Logan. Blade Runner. It's, he's all old and run down, you know, like Logan. Um. <laughs> I don't understand. Your, me- your, your memes are weird. It is a weird meme, but it makes me laugh. So that's kind of all that counts. <laughs> uh, all right, watching me and listening to for you. Go for it. 
Uh, I have a book and I have a comic book. What? Uh, Books? Ah! Did you audible it? Yeah. Oh, good. Did what? Did no. you audible? Oh, no. I don't, ah. I, don't, I don't do audiobooks. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, I can't. I, I zone out and I don't pay attention. Same. Uh, but what'd you read? What's the book? Um, um, it, it's, it's a, uh, actually both are Star Wars related. Uh, this is a, it's a, not a Star Wars like canon or anything, but it's a called, um, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by, um, I think his name's Chris Taylor is the author. Um, I'm uh, two chapters in and it is fascinating. Uh, it is, sounds like it. I mean, it, it is a chronicling. It's, it goes really in depth. I mean, this guy did his research. He interviewed people, um, really, you know, dug into history. There's stuff in here. I didn't know, or at least I've skimmed a couple of, a little bit of it and read about, it, and there's stuff in here. I, it goes into like, it, and I'll read, I'll read about this when I get to it. But I mean, there's, it goes into like early drafts of like Phantom Menace was going to be and different characters that were going to be introduced and how things changed along the way. And then thing, same with the original trilogy, but it's just overall, it's like a chronicling of the early days of development from star Wars to, you know, throughout the first movie and the whole, the trilogy evolved and then how that came to the prequels and how they developed. And then it, I think it ends right where I think it ends at the Disney deal. They bought Lucasfilm. Um, but yeah, I'm two chapters in and it's really fascinating. It's really well written too. I'm excited to delve into it more um, because I'm excited to just learn and find out new stuff. I apparently had no idea was even a thing. Um, so yeah, definitely that's what I'm reading right now. I'll, maybe I'll finish up by the time we do our next episode. Um, and then the other thing I'm reading or not reading read, it's not a series. It's a, just a single issue comic. Um, it's a star Wars comic and it is called storm storms of crate. It's a last Jedi tie in. Um, and it is set right, I hope, or maybe right before, I mean, same thing, but like, I think it's closer to Empire Strikes Back, but it is kind of just a one-off adventure that takes place on Crate, the planet from Last Jedi, and it's just cool, and it kind of sets up the, kind of where we find all those rebel um, vehicles and weapons that are left behind when you find them in Last Jedi, and it's just a cool um, adventure um, mission with Leia and Luke. Um, so we see them go to that planet before we got to see it where it was in Last Jedi. So uh, those are what I've been reading. Sounds fascinating. Are there any lightsabers in this comic? I think there is one. Mm. Mm. I don't like that. The Ray versus Kylo Ren rematch in episode nine is going to be lit. It's going to be fire. Can't wait. Speaking of not being able to wait for things, uh, a couple episodes lined up. Uh, I think, don't hold me to this, but I think Cody and I are going to be chatting about Ocean's 8 this weekend. Uh, And then the three of us are hopefully going to get together for some hereditary talk. Will this be conjuring a conjuring love fest or will it be a Mason's being a contrarian asshole, uh, the witch sequel? We'll have to find out. I can guarantee. I, I guarantee you're gonna hate it, and I'm gonna love it, and Cody's gonna really like it. You're gonna guarantee, just like that, the wish. Why are you guaranteeing that I'm gonna hate this? Because it's not gonna be like The Conjuring, and it's gonna be real slow and really uh, I, quiet, and really just. It's gonna be exactly like The Witch, and it's gonna be really art, art housey. I gave and the shining, conscious, and I'm gonna love it. I've gave The Shining four stars, I think four or four and a half stars in Letterboxd. The Shining and The Witch are not the same kind of movie. 
but they're close enough to where I think I'll be okay. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. I think uh, with the charity that it's getting, I'm just I'm psyched. I'm uh, so psyched. And then oceans the of course. Trailers. trailers are interesting. The no, the trailers. It's, I mean, they're like an. Trailers like the the A two A two four trailers that they put out for like people like me that actually are excited for these kinds of horror movies look great. It's the trailers that I see when I go to a movie and they're trying to cater to mainstream audiences that make it look terrible mm. because they have narration over it and it's all cut really fast and weird. It's the same thing they did with Mother and it's really bad. Just stop. Just cater to your audience because it's a low budget. It's not going to make that much money. Stop trying to bring in these people and steal their money because they're not interested in that kind of movie. Just it's it just makes it look bad and it sours me. Mm. Well, there's something to be said for trying to raise the audience's IQ level a little bit and try to challenge them with something. And with the horror movies especially... stupid. Yeah, well, with horror movies especially, you're going to make your money. If you can't make money on a horror movie, you shouldn't be in the movie producing business. That's why... That's just my opinion. So... More than $2 million to make. Yeah. So... But I'm, I'm psyched for it. I'm curious to see how every, all that pans out i suppose um you 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 don't really often hear movie circles really gush over a horror movie like this so when they do you know you got something special um so until that time comes probably uh, probably oceans eight talk next but we'll see how the world shakes out um you can follow us at underscore reflex on the twitter and as always leave an itunes review i haven't checked that in like four months so Maybe I should do that at some point. I don't know. But uh, regardless, until next time, take it easy, Josh. Later.